Hi there. I'm creator, educator, and gentleman, Jim Jackson. Welcome to Radio Creative, where we look at ways to expand your natural creativity and tap into it when you want to in your life, work, and art. I like to think of this as a lunch break podcast. You've got enough time to get your food, listen, and be back doing what you need to be doing in under 30 minutes. So, let's get creative. Radio Creative. I don't even know what I can say about this interview. There are times where you just have to believe in, I don't know what you'd call them, universal forces that bring people to you that you need at the moment and continue to do so with various coincidences and whatever. And when I started with the idea for Radio Creative, this this next person was one of the first people on my list because just a wonderful creative presence, a wonderful human being, a great mind, a great heart, and somebody who I always learn something important about myself with every conversation I have with her, and I think there have only been like three. So I'm not going to stand in the way right now of getting right to this interview. So, ladies and gentlemen, Kelly S. Thompson. All right. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we're talking to writer, editor, and educator Kelly S. Thompson. Kelly S. Thompson is an award-winning writer and editor based out of the Toronto area, formerly in Vancouver, with a broad range of experience and education in, in the writing and editing field. For nearly a decade, she served as a logistics officer in the Canadian Forces, specializing in human resources administration, working with injured and ill soldiers. In 2010, she began writing about her military experiences in a blog with Shadow magazine titled Under Fire before medically releasing from the forces due to an injury. So Ke- Kelly and I met in a crowded bar in downtown Toronto where she saw I was I was typing out dialogue uh, rather than, you know, like a business report or something and asked, uh, are you a writer? And which can sometimes be a scary question for us creatives when we're out in the wider world. But uh, within a few minutes of, of chatting, I knew this is one of those chance meetings that bring someone into your life that you need right then. Kelly, welcome to Radio Creative. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Yeah, I I always wanted to be a writer, literally, uh, without that sounding really corny. But um, grade one, I did a illustrated book on things I like to do in springtime. There were illustrations. As it turns out, illustrations should not be my path. But I did love the writing part, and I thought, this is for me. And it's what I always wanted. And then uh, 9-11 happened. While I was in my final year of university of high school, sorry, and so um, I was already signed up to be doing a degree in professional writing, but it felt like it was my family's history. We were four generations military on both sides, and I I felt the call to enroll, and so I went through the regular officer training plan. So um, in the during the year, I went to university, and then in the summers, I did my training, and then as soon as I graduated, I was posted to my first unit. Um, so then you're 21 years old trying to get a bunch of people in their fifties, uh, to respect you and follow you. It was a bit of an adventure and, uh, and I'm rather artsy and girly. And so the military world, mm, not so much my world. It certainly, it certainly isn't considered that, is it? They would look at me and say, I'm sorry, you have a degree in writing books. 
<laughs> what? Like that, it didn't compute because I was at York University doing a degree in professional writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was medically released, because I broke my leg and it never healed properly. Mm. Um, so a bunch of surgeries and it just wasn't getting better. And so I moved out to Vancouver to take a job in publishing. And I thought, this is okay. Now I'm going to make this my life. So I was living in Ontario. Then I ended up very sick with a thyroid disease. Mm. So I couldn't work for about a year. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Now maybe this is the world saying, you should just do this writing thing at home. Right. And so I did. And then I did my master's in creative writing at UBC. And now I'm doing a PhD, actually, um, at the University of Gloucestershire in creative writing. Nice. Congratulations. I should defend this summer. Everyone cross all fingers, (laughs) toes, appendages for me. Everybody cross your fingers out there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. And so I published my first book in 2019. My next one comes out next year. And um now this is what I do and this is what I love. Nice. So it's nice. been a weird and, and route. <laughs> I think I've, I've found that with a lot of people, right? Although although you knew right, right away, you said you knew from grade one, if not before, you, you wanted to write. But I don't think a lot of us find a, a straight path down, that, down to that goal. And partly too, when we live and move in the world, we prepare ourselves to write about it. Um, I think there's a reason why a lot of us don't publish until, you know, we get into our 30s and far beyond. It's because that's when you start really having something to write about. Exactly. I mean, you can you can you can learn how to write, but without something to write about, you're not you don't have you know you can't you just can't get anything out there. You can't get people interested in in what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. You need those experience. There's. There's this idea that precociousness is makes a better artist. That uh, you know, Rimbaud, who uh, stopped writing all his poetry entirely at 19, is somehow more creative than someone who didn't get into it, like like even a John Grisham or something, until much later into into middle age. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? I mean, do 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 you believe that those naturally gifted people are somehow more creative or or does creativity not follow those kind of rules oh i think it definitely doesn't follow rules that's what makes it so beautiful is the ability (laughs) to play and so i think of my time in the military where i didn't write a thing that that whole decade and Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily because i didn't have something to say it was that a i was busy b i was living this very non-creative life But I think when it comes to this idea of there being some perfect time, some perfect moment in your life, some perfect experience, you can wait forever for some magical muse, for some perfect existence. It's kind of like I hear when people talk about the decision to have children and they're like, oh, we got to wait for this to happen and for this to line up. I don't know if there's anything, any perfect time. And so sometimes I think things just happen when they're supposed to happen. Sometimes I think you have to actively seek them out and make them happen. And so a lot of really amazing experiences can come out of that, from that process. And I look at my own example, you know, when I first was about to leave the military and I reached out to Chatelaine and was like, hey, you know, the blogs were just becoming a thing. And I said, what about if I wrote about demystifying what it's like being a woman in the military? And that was my only time where I was writing. And that was maybe the last nine or 10 months of my career. And so that was me trying to carve out that little piece of creative space that could be mine. And now it's funny since I've left the military, now I'm doing endless varieties of creative things. I dabble in a little bit of everything. Lately, I'm really big into needle felting. 
baby animals. Um, <laughs> I'm like, Excellent. I'm knitting, I'm in photography, I'm doing calligraphy. I'm, um, really loving cooking. Like, I just feel like my interest in the arts has exploded. Okay. So let's, let's, let's look at that a little bit. How would you define creativity? Is it a, a general thing? Does everybody have it? Is it, is it only uh, bestowed on certain people by fickle gods? Like, uh, how would you, what's your definition of what makes someone creative? If I were to define creativity proper, I would just say it's making something from nothing and it can be anything. Um, but at the same time, I made a lot of memoranda and operational orders that came from nothing in the military, and there was zero creativity involved there. So sometimes I think it's just about intention. What are you intending to do here? What are you hoping to create with it? I don't always think that creativity has to have some bigger picture or some, um, some greater goal than just being a piece of art. But what makes someone creative? Gosh, the will to be creative, I think. That's it. Um, because we have so many different capacities within ourselves to do that, to be creative, to explore, to play. And it means something different for everyone. Um, I have a friend who's a chef and I love to cook. But for him, each time he's plating something, it's an art form. And for me, each time I plate something, it's like, when will it be in my mouth? And so I, uh, it's for me, I would have been like, oh, that's not creative. That's not an art form. But of course it is. There's passion behind it. There's a creation. There's making it into something beautiful. Right. I love that. I love that definition. So uh, let's look at how you create. So what's your creative process? Do you have a ritual? Do you do it at a set time? Or do the ideas just come whenever, like stroke of lightning kind of thing? I am very methodical about how I approach creative writing now. And I think this is where I'm often glad I was in the military. Um, as a logistics officer, literally my job is to plan, plan and organize. And so that's really benefited me since I've left. So I have found I do have a time where I'm more creative. I tend to do better. Usually my creative stuff starts around nine or 10 o'clock and we'll go until I burn out, which is usually around two. Mm -hmm. um, I also have rheumatoid arthritis. So Ooh. my hands often won't cooperate in the fashion in which I'd enjoy. And so sometimes I can't be someone who follows a muse because my hands and my body don't follow that muse. Um, sometimes I have to take medications that are really upsetting my stomach or making me really dizzy for those illnesses. And so I think when I was younger, I used to think there was this magical solution that would come to make me creative and to bring the muse. That doesn't happen for me because it's not been the reality of my life, both physically and also, you know, my husband and I are always moving, always setting up a new house because he's still in the military. So I'm just methodical. I get up in the morning, um, I have my coffee, I snuggle my dog for a while. And I watch something really trashy on television. If I can usually like, usually some Dr. Phil, if I'm going to get specific. And then I um, go into my office and I don't make myself, oh, you have to do this many pages. Oh, you have to. But I do set a really religious schedule. Like every morning, that's what I'm doing. And then I tend to schedule other things in the afternoon that are more the bookkeeping, the business stuff. 
sending out things to literary magazines. You know, like I set a schedule for that. So I will always have 10 things out in rotation. And then as soon as something comes back, it goes back out again. I keep really ridiculous spreadsheets about that kind of thing. (laughs) Well, logistics officer, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, but it keeps me really organized. And um, sometimes I think for me, because I've always worked from home, even before the pandemic, um, I had to have some sort of schedule or I was constantly going to be doing the dishes and laundry when I should have been doing my work. It's really easy to be distracted when, because we have life, um, especially when we're not doing this full time. And I'm lucky as an, it's a weird phrasing to say, I'm lucky as an injured veteran, but because I'm injured, I have a pension Mm -hmm. and I am so, so lucky for that and really aware of it that um, it accommodates my medical needs to be able to be at home. Right. That was a really long answer to what felt like such a simple question. (laughs) There are no simple questions on Radio (laughs) Creative. Um, Speaking of not a simple question, yeah, and and I'm I'm totally with you. I believed that very romantic idea that if you just if you just lived, if you were just living an artist's life, then eventually this inspiration would come, and you would just sit down for like all night and type through the night, and then this beautiful work of art would come fully formed. And I've not yet met anyone in any circle of of creatives and and artists that I've that I've moved in that has that experience at all of, of that actually working. You, I always like to say, I, and I stole this from uh, 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 James Bell, uh, the muse loves a working stiff, right? If yeah. you if you show up and, and you do your work, then the muse will come and visit you from time to time. Yes. And if she doesn't, then, then she will maybe when you're editing. Absolutely. Yeah. You can take what was horrible that was just word vomit and, and fancy that up a little bit. <laughs> yep, definitely. Uh, what about obstacles? What are your obstacles to being creative and what do you do to overcome them? My health, I would say, is my mm-hmm. biggest obstacle. Uh, I have a couple autoimmune disorders, um, but in particular, this, this rheumatoid arthritis, I often... Um, have to schedule times in a sauna. I have to do these hot and cold baths on my hands and my wrists. It's a really big, um, mm-hmm. big challenge for me. And especially the medications, they're rough and uh, right. they're rough on the brain. Um, two of, God, I'm getting rather depressing, aren't I? But two of these <laughs> illnesses also really create a lot of brain fog. Okay. Ironically, so do the medications. And so sometimes... I can't spell, like the other day I couldn't spell uh, hotel. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Hotel, you know, um, those are the days where I do a lot of crying and and I just have to step away and do something that's mundane. And, um, or I read a book. I walk away and I read a book and that will not only reset my brain and my frustration, but remind me why even when it's physically hard for me or mentally hard, it's mentally hard for all of us. But even when it's physically hard, there's a reason I, I want to be at that computer every day. Mm-hmm. And what's that? So, so let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that in a, in, a, in a different way. So how do you feel when you're not creating? My heart hurts. I, I look at the whole time I spent in the military where I wasn't writing anything. Was I really me? in those moments. You know, in the military environment where being someone who presents very, very girly and feminine um, and who has degrees in writing and they're like, what are you doing here? And is young and bubbly. It was 
hard for me to want to create, but also to feel like there was a space that was safe for me to do that. And so now that I have that, I've realized how I, I plunged into a really bad depression when I left the military, um, struggling with that lack of belonging and what am I really doing here and what's my purpose. And then I got into my master's and I started connecting with other people who you realize we all feel a little bit lost. And so um, especially because I write nonfiction, I really think about who needs this story right now? Who needs to hear this? Who needs to um, see themselves reflected somewhere in a piece of art that will make them feel seen and heard? And that's what gets me up and back to the desk. That's really interesting. I love the way you put that. All right, so then let's let's talk about your your first book. Then maybe tell us a little bit about Girls Need Not Apply, and then who was who was your the, the person you had in mind who needed that story when you were writing that? Yeah. Um, so it actually started out that book Girls Need Not Apply started out as fiction in mm. my master's degree. So for your master's, you have to create a um, you have to write a book to as your thesis. And I had already was in the process of writing another fictional book. And then I took a novel writing course and discovered I had to write a whole nother one. So I was writing two at the same time. (laughs) And I knew I wanted to talk about the military. And I wasn't sure quite how to approach it. So I started off, we didn't have any stories about women in the military. We had a lot of memoirs for men and movies and films and that kind of thing about men. But we didn't have a woman's perspective, at least very limited. And so I started working on a novel about um, kind of very loosely inspired by a friend of mine who was, um, who killed herself overseas, sadly. Um, Mm. And I started thinking, what would push someone to that point? And that's what, that's what the novel was about. And then I realized I had them in war and there were weapons and there was, and I realized I'm trying to make it sexy And what I think I need to do is make it about what the story is. And I realized so much of a woman's battle in the military was at home. Mm. And so I started writing about a lot of my personal experiences. And my agent at the time said, she, she signed me on with this as a fictional piece. But then we both decided it just wasn't jibing in some way. And so she said, well, why don't you try writing out some of your personal experiences and send those to me? And I did. And she was like, this is it. But I don't think I was ready to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't her fault. I I did realize it needed to be done. I just didn't, I felt really lost as to how and how to approach it. So I, but I, I wrote it. It did tons of revisions. I can't even tell you it was years, years and years of revisions. It went out for a round to publishers. No one wanted it. It came back. My agent said, maybe rewrite the second half. Okay. So I did that. I rewrote the second half. And then the Me Too movement happened. And then when it went out again, it went into, um, I had multiple interests from multiple publishers. And so the reason I mention is because I think we have this idea like this person's a better writer or this person's a better artist because they got this recognition or this big publisher or this big competition, whatever. And yet sometimes it's just timing. That almost same book went out a year prior and no one wanted it. And so um, so it was a memoir. It, it discusses a lot sexual harassment in the military. Um, really big theme. Talks a lot about my, my military history, my family's military history, and that legacy of PTSD as well. And uh, 
it was a ride. Since that book's come out, and of course people, uh, you can imagine a book about sexual harassment in the military. I get, I get some emails. Some of them are really gross. 90% of them are the most beautiful reminders of why sometimes even when art is hard, it's worth doing. And those emails, when I'm having, when you, you asked a question about how do you peak your creativity when I'm having a really hard day, I go into all those emails that I saved and remind myself why it's important to to talk about the hard things. Right. I'm and I'm actually just going to repeat that because that was so well put. Even when art is hard, it's worth doing. Yeah. All right. So you talked about the, what what you would define creativity as is just the will to be creative. And what I found in talking to a lot of aspiring artists or or even professionals who just want to be more creative in in their work is that they want to, they they somehow feel that they shouldn't. And there's a permission thing going on. Mm. What do you do to give yourself permission to be creative? I pretend no one's going to see it. Oh. And sometimes they won't. You know, sometimes I think we have this idea, we live in this culture where everything has to be productive. And sometimes you can just make something that's just for you, just for for your personal enjoyment, for your family, for whatever. And that was something I I had to, I think I had to adopt that approach as I rewrote that book for the 1800th time. I would say, (laughs) it's never a waste of your time. It's always practice. It's always, maybe you'll have one great line that you'll be like, yes, I wrote 20,000 words for that one line, but ooh, it was worth it. You know, I, I always compare it to golf that I used to play, but now no longer. And you'd have like, 900 crappy shots, you know, off here and there, sand traps, whatever. And then you get that one shot that's perfect and goes down and maybe you get a hole in one, whatever. It la- it lands beautifully. Couldn't have done it better. And suddenly your whole game feels worthwhile. That'll be the thing you remember. Oh yeah, that one shot was so good. That's how I feel sometimes about the poor things I create that, that don't seem great to me. Um, then I'll just say, okay, well, that's just for me today. Um, I think, you know, as a writer of memoir, the idea of permission is a hefty one. Um, and I, I tend to look too at what's my relationship to the person who's going to consume this art and what matters to me there. So in the case of writing, you know, sometimes I'm writing about my family. Um, I wrote about my dad's PTSD extensively with his, in, his, in that case, with his permission, because I have a great relationship with my dad. I respect him. Um but then he forgot he gave me that permission and um, it was printed. The book was printed and I'm, and I'm going, Ooh, okay. So I sat down and, and we shared it together over a glass of wine and I read it out loud to him and he was really emotional afterwards. And he hugged me and he said, you honored me hmm. with the way you portrayed me. So I try to think about that too. When it comes to permission, if I feel like I don't need to ask permission, it's because I have to trust myself as the artist, as the writer to convey that person with complexity and beauty and ugliness, because we all have many sides and layers to us. So sometimes that permission has to come from yourself to acknowledge, yeah, I've got what it takes. I can do this. I can effectively put this down on a piece of paper. Fantastic. I love it. All right. On that note, any other tips for people to bring out their own creativity in either their work or their life or their art? I always think... We often feel like, you know, to be an artist, you have to have had something in a show or you have to have published a book or you have to have um, 
shown in a gallery. I say, are you an artist? Yes, own that title. You don't need, you don't owe it to anyone to have produced something tangible. That's the hardest one to own. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. I was teaching a first year creative writing course at Trent University for uh, a couple years. We moved away, so I lost the opportunity, but I loved it so much. And there were a lot of people who, oh, 130, 18-year-olds, not me, no thanks. I loved it. Because when they take creative writing, they're usually there because they have a general interest in it. And I always spoke to them like peers. Because if you're there, if you're putting something down on the page, you're a peer to me. I had this real idea about kind of like romanticizing what art is. Right. I used to do that a lot, especially in the military, where I'd be like, well, I'm only a writer if I have all these things. And, I, and for the longest time, people would say, what do you do? And I'd say, well, I'm a veteran. Uh, and I, you know, so I write some things. Uh, and, and it felt like until I had something to show for it, you don't have to show anyone anything. That's the beauty of art is <laughs> you get to own that. You get to hold that in your heart and have that be your thing. And it, and it's an identity. It's not a job. And so for that reason, I feel like you, you don't have to have something tangible afterwards. It can all just be stuffed in a drawer. It doesn't matter. You're an artist in your heart. Right. I love that. Yeah. I always tell people at conferences, if, if, if you write, you're a writer. You may not be a published author. Yeah. That's a different thing. But if you write, you're a writer. If you paint, you're a painter. Absolutely. I don't care if you shove it all in your closet afterwards. It counts. That's right. Yeah. All right. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? Oh, more of me in, in just a website capacity? Online capacity, book capacity, uh, social media? My website is kellysthompson.com. The S is not at all to make me like Hunter S. Thompson. I don't at all feel important like that. But try Googling Kelly Thompson. You'll have 700. Um, so <laughs> Kelly S. Thompson. Um, I'm on Twitter, Kelly S. Thompson. And bookstores um, available on Amazon, on Chapters, and almost every independent as well. And we were in the same issue of Prairie Fire together. Do you remember? I do. I know. After we met, and then uh, I think it was maybe nine months later, we were both in the same magazine at the same time. What are the odds of that? Well, when it's meant to be, it's meant to be, right? Yeah, it's a small world. Well, fantastic having you on, Kelly. I mean, this, is, this has been a wonderful conversation. I could have gone on for hours. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so it's kellysthompson.com and all the, the social media handles she mentioned. The book is Girls Need Not Apply. All right, Kelly, thanks you so much. Thank you. And as always, I'd like to thank my guest and our sponsor, Prairie Soul Incorporated. If you're looking for ways to increase your creativity or the creativity of your team, Prairie Soul can help with a la carte or customized solutions to get your message across or bone up on your communication skills creatively. And of course, please subscribe so you can know when a new episode of Radio Creative is ready to help you expand your natural creativity and tap into it when you want to in your life, work, and art. So until next time, stay cool, stay curious, and stay confident. Take care out there, everybody. Mm -hmm.